My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. Christ is in our midst. There we go. So um, a few years ago, my, well, no, actually fairly, maybe a year ago, my mom called me and she said, son, I have a gift for you. And I was like, great. What is it? I'll take it because I love gifts because we all love gifts. And she said, I have some china I want to send to you. And I said to myself, oh, <laughs> okay. But uh, I was like, sure, I'll take, some, I'll take a, a set of china. Why not? And as it so happened that uh, Shantae, her mom, gave her before they moved to Virginia um, a hutch. Like, I think that's what they're called. I don't know these technical terms for furniture. But it was like a, 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 a hutch or a, some kind of container with doors that you could open up to put things inside the store. And uh, with glass on the front. So we both got both around the same time. So it all worked out. And so my mom sent this really nice china that she had purchased many, many, many years ago that she was no longer using to us as a gift. And I don't know if you know anything about china. You probably do. It's not something that is, it's not something if you break it, you can just like, you know, go down to the corner store and, and get another one. You know, you have to order it from a place that makes it. You know, you can't just, hey, oh, okay, I go to the convenience store and grab some. And so, as a result, what do you do? You, you put it in storage uh, so you can still access it and use it when you need it, like on Thanksgiving or our family holidays when everybody comes. You get out the fancy dishes, the fine china, right? And so, um, sometimes the food that you serve doesn't always match the classiness of the, uh, of the china, but that's another thing for another time, right? But we do. We take it out. And then when we, when we put it away, we don't wash it in the dishwasher because a lot of it isn't dishwasher safe. And then we store it out of the way and we close it and we set it aside and we treat it a certain way. We wash it a certain way. We respect it a certain way in the way that we don't some of our other, our other dishes when, you know, the dirty just toss them in the dishwasher and spray them down with a hose or whatever, right? They have special usage. They're, they're used for a, a special purpose, almost as if, and I'm not saying that they are, but by way of analogy, we treat them the way we would treat something that's special or something that's, that's sacred. The title of my sermon today is, uh, Today is Holy to the Lord, taken from the reading that we heard today from Nehemiah. Because, brothers and sisters, us meeting as a church together in person on Sunday mornings. Sundays are a day that are set apart to be holy to the Lord. And so as the people of God who love and serve God faithfully, we come and we gather on Sunday mornings to worship. So let's talk a little bit about the assembly that we heard mentioned in the book of Nehemiah. So their assembly, this part of the story happens after Nehemiah has finished rebuilding the wall. And if you've never read the book of Nehemiah, it's really interesting. You should go back and read it or 
take special notice of it when you get to it in your Bible yearly reading plan. But what's happened is in the book of Nehemiah, it starts out, he is before the king, uh, Cyrus, and he's the cupbearer to the king. So he has a very trusted position. And he's really sad because he's thinking about all of the people of Israel who have been exiled to, uh, that were exiled to Babylon. And then the Persians came in a few years later and, and took over uh, from the Babylonians, but kept them under exile. And the king's like, Nehemiah, why are you sad? And Nehemiah says, I'm sad because my people are still enslaved, but we're still in bondage, and it would be really great if we could go home and rebuild the city. And so Cyrus is like, okay, yeah, go. Take all the people you want, the ones that want to go, they can go with you. Uh, here's some letters for safe travels. Uh, here's some stuff for materials and building supplies. Whatever you need, we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. And so Nehemiah does that, right? He's been given permission. He gets the supplies. He goes. He organizes the workforce, right? Kind of like what Ray's been doing with the church. He deals with opponents. Ray has not been doing that because no one's actually tried to fight us uh, to keep us from, from fixing or building anything, right? But then also, he, um, the exiles that are coming back, Nehemiah also has to resettle them, right? So he's like, okay, X amount can live in the city. X amount can live in the surrounding towns. We've got to make sure that everything is distributed right. And so this then all sets the stage for what happens in the reading, right? The people gather together for a specific purpose. They ask the scribe, Ezra, who actually has his own book in the Bible just before Nehemiah, also a really interesting book. You should also read that too. They say, Ezra, please read us the law given by Moses, given by Yahweh himself on the holy mountain, the Torah. Please read that to us. And Ezra stands on a wooden pulpit, kind of like what I'm doing right now, and he reads the whole thing to them. The whole thing. And they stand in attention as he reads it to them. And he does this in the sight of all of the people. They're all gathered together there. He blesses the Lord. He reads the Torah. They all bow their heads to hear and they listen. And then they're even given the sense of the readings, right? So maybe they're translating from, from Hebrew to Aramaic because Aramaic is a language that they're speaking at this time, right? And then at the end of the, at the, end of the, the law, right, they all say amen, right? That means so be it. Like they're putting their, we will do what the law has said. So then the second thing that happens is after they've, they've heard the reading, they then respond, They've heard the reading of the law, they respond to what they've heard, and they respond by weeping. Respond by weeping, kind of like some of you after I'm done preaching, not because it was so powerful, but because it was so long. Some of them weep because they and their immediate ancestors, like I said, had just experienced exile. They had just come back from exile after 70 years. The consequences that their ancestors, that their two generations before, generation before, did not heed the warnings of God that God sent to them and sent to their kings and sent to their priests through his servants, the prophets. Repent, return to me. And they refused and they continually did not serve the Lord. And they weep, right, because it's the realization that all that they had suffered was due to their own wickedness because the Torah clearly lays all of this out. 
And in response to this, Nehemiah sees it and he says something to them. He says, don't mourn. Don't weep. Why? Because today is a holy day to the Lord your God. Not today is a holy day to the Lord God. But he says, today is a holy day to the Lord your God. Right? Giving them like ownership. He's not just the Lord God. We all know he's the Lord God, but he is the Lord your God. And for all of us, brothers and sisters, when we hear the word preached to us, and we hear the scriptures read to us, and we hear sermons explaining what, the, what, what they mean and what the scriptures are talking about and how they compel us to live, right? It's not just we're doing this to serve and worship the Lord God, but our Lord God. Nehemiah is telling them, God has not neglected you. He has not left you. You are still his people. And then he tells them to rejoice. He says to rejoice. That was Harper's first amen. I'll take it. <laughs> Nehemiah says to them, Leave here and eat the best meat you have and drink the best wine that you have. Not only that, if someone doesn't have any, you give them some too. Why? Because as he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Despite their many sins, despite losing their homeland, despite their deportation to Babylon and everything they suffered, God has brought them home. It is time to rejoice because God's joy is what strengthens them. Not joy coming from nationalistic pride. Not joy from pride in their own covenant status. Not pride in, in them rebuilding the wall. That was all good and those are all excellent things. But the joy of the Lord is their strength. The joy that God gives to them is their strength. So rejoice, right? Because you have been brought back back you have been forgiven and all of this takes place in the context of Nehemiah in corporate worship and what's going to happen is later on in the chapter they're actually going to gather together again and they're going to confess their sins and they're going to be ab absolution is going to be pronounced and then what they're going to do is they're going to celebrate the festival of booths and all of this shows all of this indicates right that Nehemiah is instituting all of the things necessary to keep everything going and keep them going in the direction that they should should. The joy of the Lord is their strength. So eat, he says, and drink and give some to the people who don't have. The best thing that you have, share with them and rejoice. Now St. Paul will put it in a different way, I think, but in a similar way. He says, you know, my grace, God's talking to him, is sufficient for you. I think the, he also writes, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Spirit. So now we've heard what, what happened with them. What is that assembly? What does that have to say to our assembly? Well, we gather together to hear the word of the Lord read to us. We hear the word of the Lord explained to us. Right? Reading scripture. This is why we stand also for the reading of the gospel. Not just because it's a traditional thing to do, but because when we stand to hear the reading of the gospel, it puts us in a position to hear. It puts us in a position to listen and to receive God's word. 
We do it a little bit differently, but a friend of mine in a, in a much more traditional church, their deacon comes out and he gives them a prep, right? He's sort of like the hype man. He gets out there and he says, you know, <laughs> per, like prepare for the reading of the Holy Gospel. And everyone's like, yes, okay. And then he goes back and then the priest comes out and he's like, let us be attentive. And they're like, the reading of the Holy Gospel is from, like, and there's all this preparation, right, to get you. And then they say, pay attention. Let us be attentive. Listen to what we have to say. That's why we stand to hear the reading of the gospel because this is God's word to us. And it's living and it's active and it's powerful as the author of Hebrews says, sharper than any two-edged sword. And that as God's word is preached to us, it should prompt a response in us. God's word as it's read to us, as we receive it, as we listen to it, and then as it's explained and interpreted faithfully, should challenge us. It should challenge our worldviews. It should take apart piece by piece all of our secular assumptions about the world, how the world works, and replaces it with how God is calling us to live as his called out holy elect people. And if people get up and preach to you a sermon that doesn't challenge the way that society thinks we should live or challenges the things that society says is good and true, then my brothers and sisters do not trust what is being said. We will live by the word of God. Jesus says, right, when he's being tempted, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. We are fed on God's word. We will live by the word of God, not by the words of NPR or the Daily Beast, not by the words of uh, that other one, you know, the, the, the other daily one that's the, the, the right wing as opposed to the left wing, right? We won't live by those words, but we will live and be fed by the very word of God. And then, brothers and sisters, as we feed on the word of God by hearing and receiving and doing right, then we rejoice like what we're going to do a little bit later as we feast at the table and the altar of the Lord, as our sorrow gives way to joy because the joy of the Lord has been given to us to be our strength as we give thanks to Jesus Christ for who he is and what he has done for us as we, as we partake of his body and blood in Holy Communion, in the Eucharist. And that joy that we are God's, that we are Christ's, that in him alone we have been justified, that we have been given his grace, that we have been healed, that we have been made whole, that we have been brought back from our exile. The exile that we had, that we were under to sin and to death and from the forces of sin, death and Satan. In our own Babylon, Jesus Christ has brought us back from exile. And this theme of exile and freedom from exile is a theme that you see throughout the scriptures and we see it in the book of Exodus. And this theme of exile and redemption from exile is I think one of the primary ways that we are to understand what it means for us to be Christians. What it means that Christ has done for us to be justified and forgiven. That we are still God's. That he has not left us in darkness, but has called us. And we answered his call. And so we give thanks with joy for what he has done for us. As sin has been obliterated. And our being prone to sinfulness is continually rendered powerless through the indwelling presence.
presence of the Holy Spirit given to us upon our baptism and incorporation into Christ and his church. So brothers and sisters, as Nehemiah said, today is a holy day to the Lord. Those of you who are watching online, today is a holy day to the Lord. All of us gathered here, today is a holy day to the Lord, which is why it's so important for us to gather in person. And I know that many of us are still scared. Maybe not you here, because you're here, right? But some, many of you watching, or maybe you might be listening to this later on the audio as we, after, we, after we post it online. You may be scared, and that might be true, and you should be careful, right? But it's so important for us to meet together in person. Because online, it's helpful. It's helpful, but it can't take the place, and it can never replace our gathering together as we assemble to hear God's word, to respond to God's word, and to rejoice in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower, as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike. Anything you'd be able to help us out with, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to get a hold of me or you have any questions about what you've heard, feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zion Stone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, zionstoneucc.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.